Father, thank you that you have helped us to rise up and sing your praises from the mountains to the valleys, everywhere that we may be. Father, continue to help us to worship you in any and every way. Help us to recognize the idols that we built up in our own lives, that we have gone astray and worshiped instead. Bring those to the forefront of our minds so that we can turn away, we can ask your forgiveness, we might be able to repent and turn toward you so that we can worship you the way you rightly deserve. Father, we come to you with thankfulness in our heart for everything that you've done for us, even though we deserve none of it, but you still saw fit to draw us to you. And for that, we're thankful, we are grateful. Help us to live our lives knowing this uh, particular truth and help us to continue to move closer and closer in relationship with you so that not only we would have life, but we would go and share this good news with others that they might have eternal life as well. So Father, as we open up your text this morning, won't you speak to us? Won't you help us to see how we can better be disciples of Christ? what that means for us in our own lives and how we can affect change and transformation in the lives of others as well. Father, hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer, whom I trust is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning again. We're going to continue our series here this morning. We're in Nehemiah chapter 4, looking at this Old Testament text. Um, one thing I want to uh, draw your attention to today is if you look at yourself, if you look at your own life, it's very important that you take stock of who you do life with. It's very important that you look at your life and look at the people that you have surrounded yourself with and um, evaluate the types of people that you are around and have surrounded yourself with, the people that you look to or you spend a lot of time with. Why do I say that? When I was growing up, you know, my mother was very adamant to know who my friends were. And I'm like, man, just give me some space. You don't need to know all this stuff. I mean, there's just... A friend, that's good enough, but no, not to her. It was very important to her to know who I was hanging out with, who was spending, who I was spending my time with. Why? Because uh, we can tend to draw people or, or hang out with people that are a bad influence on us. Uh, she was actually doing some good parenting, which I didn't understand until I was a parent myself. Then all of a sudden, I wanted to know who my friends, my my, my ch children's friends were. Right, because I wanted to help instill in them um, a moral fiber, a, a knowledge of God and who he is and the scriptures and, and how to be a good citizen and do the right thing, all that kind of stuff. But when you bring somebody in that doesn't have that same foundation, that can rub off on the folks around. And not only that, so they say you keep your friends close and your enemies closer. There's folks out there that are just, they want to see you fail. They may know you or not, 
But there's other people out there that just, they, don't, they can't take it if somebody is having a good life or doing good things. They see some type of success. And so they want to do everything they can in their power to make sure you don't get to where you're trying to go. It's amazing. Because people just don't, don't like to see others prosper and succeed. And so we need to watch out for those folks too, but, but not let them affect us too much. This, this morning's uh, uh, sermon is entitled Response to the Haters, because we all got haters, right? People that are out there, they're trying to stop us from, from following along with what God has for us or uh, uh, dare us go and just be so grateful and thankful for what God has done for us. I'm like, oh, that's not that good. Uh, you just, you're just saying all that stuff, this wishy-washy stuff, but it's, it's the power of positive thinking, but it's not really that good. Look at the economy. Look at the wars that are going on. Oh, you just, you're just out. You got your head in the clouds. But you're like, no, God has been so good to me. Oh, just, you just made up this God. It's not, there's no such thing as, as God. But there's something in them that... Uh, that they're expressing and projecting on you that they just don't want to see because there's something missing for them. They want something to be missing for you too because they don't understand what's going on. They don't have a relationship with God or God forbid that some people that call themselves Christians walk around like this too. And it makes me question, man, are they, do they have their nose in the Bible? Are they reading the scriptures? Do they understand the God who, who, who spoke in the universe, leapt into existence, all the things that God has done over the course of time? How can you be a Christian and still be down, downtrodden and upset and frustrated by what the world has to offer when you know that we are in the kingdom and what the kingdom is, is about to come and, and what that entails? How could you be upset and frustrated and walking around all the time just mad. But that's what haters do. They want to bring you down to where they are. If you've been with us or just need a reminder, we're in the middle of the book of Nehemiah and it's not only the name of the book, but also the name of a person. And this book is about a reformer that was brokenhearted about the community and he wanted to be used by God to bring reformation. He saw these things going on. He, he got a, a call from his brother and said, oh man, this, this stuff is really bad in our hometown. And the, the folks that are there, they're having a, a lot of trouble. And Nehemiah is like, this just can't happen. I just can't let this be. This book begins with this as he's understanding what's going on. But he's not only broken over the condition of the city, but he's broken over the condition of the people that are there. Not only are the, the walls and the city gates and the, the city in turmoil, but the people are, are broken as well. The people are just letting the status quo be and let anything happen to them. And they're not following after God like they should be. And this breeds some holy discontent in his heart. And he's just not okay with what's going on in this community. And he can't sit idly by and let it continue. I pray that we would have this, this kind of thought and, and, and idea about our own community. I hope that we would look at our own community and have some holy discontent about what's happening or not happening in our own communities 
here today and that we wouldn't sit idly by and just let it happen or let it stay the same because God uh, wants uh, more for us it is for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Nehemiah, we see him so passionate about uh, that he, he has to do something. Even though he's not in his hometown, uh, he, he feels like he has to do something and it puts him in a posture of prayer. So he goes to God first before he just jumps out like, I got to do something, I'm just going to go do it first. He goes to God in Prayer. He recognizes the condition of the city is a reflection of the condition of the hearts of the people. And this city is broken, and just as the, the people are as well, uh, it, the city is just as shambles, and so are the people there. So what Nehemiah does is he submits himself before the Lord. He repents for himself. He repents for the entire nation, and he, he pleads to God. He pleads to God that God would be faithful to the promises that he's already given. God's promises to restore the land and to restore the people and do what only God can do. He knew his Bible. He understood the scripture. It's like, God, you already said you're going to do this. And I, I want to see this happen here right before my eyes, but I can't do it. You need to be in this for it to happen for us. Then in chapter 2 shows the plan that Nehemiah has. While Nehemiah is praying, he gets a vision for what could and should be. And he asks for God's blessing and his help in seeing that through as well. And Nehemiah goes to uh, prepare the wall construction being built. And in chapter 3, he in encourages and unifies the people to build this wall. And the one thing that I didn't mention last week is, is I read through some of the names. When you, when you look through the names of the people, if you remember, it, it talked about the, the names of the people who were working in the section they were working on. These are hard, hard to pronounce names. They're, they're foreign to us and they seem fairly meaningless to us today. Uh, but they, even though they might not mean much for us today, they meant a lot to God. And that's what's amazing to me is names that have gone and been forgotten that, that we just have no uh, attachment to these days. God saw it is so important that these people were going out there being unified and being aligned with his purpose that their names ended up in his words so that we're talking about them even here today in 2022. How amazing is that, that they'd be aligned so much with God's purpose that they would be an encouragement to us even still today. As we read through this text, there's a lot of parallels that we can draw as we see things happening around us. Um, like I said earlier, we hopefully should experience some holy discontent. We should be seeing things that break our hearts. You know, whether it's the protection of the unborn, racial reconciliation, poverty, abuse, injustice around the globe, human trafficking, uh, things that will keep you up at night until you there is a reform or a restoration, until, until you're driven to, like, if nobody does anything, then I'm going to be the one that stands up and does something about it. When we see that something's not right within our culture, and it goes against God's order and plan, we have to do something. 
That's, that's why we're here. We're, we're here to be on mission for God. We have to have something to say. We've got to get on fire for this mission. And not only that, but we, we rally the people around us to join in as well. You know, if we stopped at chapter, chapter 3, when everybody is seemingly unified and they're on mission, they, they each have a job that they set to do when it comes to rebuilding, and it, and it looks great. I, I can't imagine all these people coming together, the, the unification that they're showing, and they're getting stuff done. Man, if we stopped at chapter, th chapter 3, that would be a nice way to end. That would be a nice way to end and where people are excited to, to be aligned with God's purpose. They're, they're loving on one another and for each other's good. It, it would be like a fairy tale end to an ending where everybody lived happily ever after. But that's not how life is. Unfortunately, this is not how things play out in our own lives. And I don't know about you, but I got a chapter four in my book of Nehemiah. So it doesn't end with chapter three. Satan hates when God's people are working together for the good of the kingdom of God. Satan wants no part of that. He wants to do everything he can to prevent that from continuing to happen. And this brings opposition. It brings persecution. It brings difficulty. Yeah, I told you this has a lot of parallels for us in our own lives, right? that we've experienced some things like that. Things seem to be going really well, then all of a sudden something happens. Like, ah, oh, what is going on? Why? What am I supposed to do? Just when things start to go well, the evil one sticks his nose in things. And as much passion as you have, as much prayer as you do, as many people that you get rallied around God's vision, as much planning that you do, there will still be opposition. There'll still be struggle, there'll still be challenges, there'll still be strife. Brothers and sisters, as we do all these good things, we must have our hearts prepared for the difficulty, for the persecution, for the suffering. We gotta be ready. Jesus himself tells us this. It says um, in John uh, 1633, it says, I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. First Peter 4 and 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He's like, hey, don't get surprised when bad things happen. It goes on to say, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Let me tell you something. There's going to be times and moments in your life where you will face opposition and you'll be tempted to quit. You'll say to yourself, this is too hard. This is too challenging. There's, there's nobody behind me. There's nobody in front of me. There's nobody beside me. I, just, I, I can't do it. Got to give up. The enemy will throw things at you in order to prevent you from living out God's calling in your life. And Jesus says, you will have tribulation. But don't worry, he's got it. 
Isn't that comforting? To know that anything that comes your way, it might be too tough for you, but let me tell you something, it's not, it's not tough for him. He's got it. He's like, I'm going to take care of it. He tells, you, he tells you beforehand, you're going to experience trials, tribulation, discomfort, opposition. But I got it. Don't worry about it. I got you. There's no need for us to freak out about it because he's already taken care of it. He will fight for us. He will help us to persevere. But why, though? Why does this happen? Knowing this truth, how do we live it out? It is, it's tough when we're in the midst of the struggle and opposition and, and we're fearful. It's tough for us and we're on the verge of quitting. But how do we live out what Jesus has told to us? Even though intellectually we, we know he's got it, but our flesh is like, I got to hold on to this. How do we respond to opposition? Well, we get to see this unfold here this morning in Nehemiah chapter 4. And the first thing we often face when we're on a mission with God is criticism and mocking. This is interesting. Look with me in Nehemiah 4, verse 1. It says, Now when Sambalot heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged and jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of rubbish and burn ones at that? Can you believe these guys? Standing off to the side and, and watching what's going on. These people rebuilding uh, the, the walls and everything in it. And they just got nothing good to say. It says they, they jeered and they, they mocked. If you remember back in chapter 2, Sambalot came up briefly there. He is a government uh, governor and a politician along with Tobiah. And they didn't want to see the walls being rebuilt because it would take away their control, right? If the build, the, the walls weren't fortified, then uh, uh, they wouldn't have any protection within the city and they could easily be controlled. But as they, they looked on, Sambalot and, and crew, they, there's not much they could do because Nehemiah had been sent and had the backing of the Persian Empire. So they didn't want to step into that and like, oh man, because... That would be all bad news for them, for the empire to come and, and take them out because they had already had the backing of the, the king. So legally they couldn't do much. And so they decided to just stand to the side and mock and make fun of them. They couldn't do nothing else. They were trying to demoralize Nehemiah and others who were at work by challenging their competence, their ability in the, in the faith. Because if you remember, these guys weren't construction workers. These, these folks didn't do this for a living. There were people coming from all kinds of walks of life and experience and trying to build this, this, these walls back up. So it probably wasn't the prettiest thing in the world. It probably wasn't the most efficient thing to do. And, and so the, the sample sees that. I'm like, man, what, what, are, what, are, you, what are they doing? 
Who do these people think they are? You know people like this, don't you? The people that uh, you've had in your life or you certainly people that you've come across, people that just won't let you be great. They want to stand to the side and tear you down and talk about all the things that you're doing and how it won't work. You don't have enough experience. You won't be successful. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough people backing you up. You don't have the right network. You don't have, you don't have, you don't have. All the while, they don't have anything going for themselves either. <laughs> but they want to tell you what you're doing wrong. They're mad because you're happy. They're mad because somehow you have found a way to seek joy. They're mad because they don't understand. They can't get it either. They're bent out of shape because you love the Lord and he's using you to make a difference. But they just won't let you have it. We see Sambalot in 2.19 and he pops up here in chapter 4 and we'll see uh, him and Tobiah come up again in chapter 6. They just won't stop. They continue to stick their nose in a place where it doesn't belong so they can prevent God's work being done. And then in verse three, we have Tobiah come in and co-sign what Sambalah says. Look in verse three, it says, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, it will break their stone wall. Man, the nerve of this guy. He's like, oh man, just the animal called. It's so, they have no idea what they're doing so much it is so inconsistent the way they're building, man. Just an animal will go up and it's just going to crumble anyways. These silly guys. What are they? They're just wasting their time. When I was a kid, we used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But they do, though, kind of, right? <laughs> right? I mean, we would say, I don't hear kids, it's been a long time since I heard folks say that, but and people are certainly hurt by words. But even if, even though we would say those things, they did kind of hurt. But these, again, they weren't professional builders. They were doing the best they could. And this imitation, the intimidation that was going on, this sarcasm that was going, it was being weaponized. So they said, well, if we can't attack you, with physically and bring you down, we're going to use some other means of attack by making you just feel cruddy and making you feel so bad about who you are and what you're doing. That's the way we're going to attack them so they would stop what they're doing. And again, I'm sure these walls looked a funky mess as the groups were trying to work on their own sections. They were using uh, uh, material that was already on the ground. It's not like they had all new stuff to build. So they were doing some kind of patchwork and making, just making it work. So there was probably already some self-consciousness going on when they would look, look back at it. I'm like, oh, man, this, I don't know how this is going to work. But God's in it. So I'm going to do what God says. So what do you do when haters try to bring you down? Well, let's see this example here in verse 4. Nehemiah hears these jeers. I don't know how close they were, how loud Sambalot and Tobiah had to be, but they were close enough that Nehemiah and crew heard. And here's Nehemiah's approach. Here's his response to the haters. Nehemiah says in verse 4, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads. 
and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be bottled out of, from your sight, but for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. As I read this, I'm kind of here, ooh, I'm telling. Oh, wait till God finds out about this. Oh, you're going you to get it now. Oh, you think you slick, but wait till I tell my God about what y'all, what y'all are doing. Because you remember what Jesus said, right? He, he said, you will have trouble in this life, but I have overcome the world. But what, what more do you need? What, what more do you need to ask for? Deuteronomy 23 and 35 says, vengeance is mine. And recompense for the time when their, their fool shall slip and the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. Nehemiah knows exactly what to do in his response to these haters. He knew who he was following and he knew the magnitude and the strength that was encompassed in that. Jesus or Nehemiah takes matters to the Lord in prayer. Why, though? I mean, why did he do this? We, we saw this where he started. He knew exactly what to do because it was by prayer that, that brought him to Jerusalem. And it was by prayer that got him the king's message and blessings. It was by prayer that gave him the passion. It was by prayer that gave him the plan. It was by prayer that gave him the people. It was by prayer that sustained their work. So it's only natural that he go back to the Lord in prayer. It, it was the only thing that made sense. It was woven in the fabric of his own life that he starts everything in prayer. Something new pops up, something different. Prayer. Even if things are going well, you still go in prayer. Like I told you earlier, I mean, you need to be praying before you get out of bed in the morning. It all starts there. I've been trying to tell y'all how important prayer is. It's everything. Prayer is everything. So if you're trying to do anything in your life without first bathing in a prayer, I'll tell you, you you're setting yourself up for disappointment and frustration. I would understand how you walk around frustrated and downtrodden and angry because you ain't spending no time in prayer. You're not talking to your Heavenly Father. You think, oh, the world is against you and everything's happening to you. That makes sense because you're not spending time with the person who could do something about it. Jesus says, you will have trouble, but I have overcome. I tell you what, with that backing, I'm, I will be courageous I will be going out risking things because, hey, Jesus got me. When you start with trepidation, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we can do this. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm not like that other person. Oh, no, we should be more courageous and, and be going to our Lord in prayer, bathing everything that we have in that. And Nehemiah also says that the reality is here 
that when those people are, are mocking, they're not mocking them. Ultimately, they're mocking God. Ultimately, they're calling God into question. Ultimately, they're attacking God, not those people. And this is another thing that, that we, we tend to, to think about. Uh, oh, I don't want people to, to say anything about me. I don't want to necessarily go and, and share the gospel because then they're not going to like me. They're going to attack me. No, they're not attacking you, the messenger. They're attacking the one who gave you the message. Again, that should be a strength to you because it's not personal against you. The reality is that God is the one being mocked. And since God is the one being mocked and assaulted, he's the one that needs to respond. Nehemiah, he could have went out like, let me tell you something. Do you understand? No. <laughs> he didn't go and try to defend himself. He's like, yes, man, I'm just going to give this over to the Lord and have the Lord deal with them. They don't know what's coming. Again, we see Nehemiah pray and act. Look with me in verse 6. Nehemiah says, so we built the wall. And all the walls that was joined together to half its height and for the people who had mind to work. When Sambalot and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the wall of Jerusalem were going forward and that the, the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion in it. And, they, and we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. They prayed and were prepared to do whatever God had empowered them to do. What I like about this is they went to the Lord in prayer, prayer and they acted. It put them in motion for what God has called them to do. And because of that, they were able to fight if necessary. They were going to fight for their families or sons or daughters or wives and homes. So they just continued on the wall and work on it with, with half the people working on the wall, half the people out keeping guard. This is why I say we got to use wisdom when it comes to uh, being aligned with God and his mission and his purpose and understanding that what it is that we must do. And they understood within this wisdom, look, if they're going to attack us, we need to be ready and prepared, but we still got to get this wall built. When you use things without prayer, what you're doing is relying on yourself. But however, if you pray without using the means that are available, it's just irresponsible. God gives us a way and a means to accomplish his goals. And, and people are like, I'm just not going to use that. I'm just going to let God work. Well, God gave you that stuff to use. Uh, I, most of you know I have a, a YouTube podcast. And uh, the, to, in order to help to answer questions for people about the Bible and help them understand who God is and how they authentically live out their life. And so when it comes to a podcast or anything 
digital. There's a way that you, you do it, the way you put it together, and there's a way that you market it and things of that nature. And then, you know, I've met some people online who are doing some similar things, but they refuse to use any of the techniques or the marketing things to get it in front of people. Right. They're like, I'm just going to make a video. I'm going to make a podcast and, and God is going to send it wherever. Yes, God can do that. But God has also given us tools in order to make sure that it gets in front of the right people that need the message. And people just refuse. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just just let God, God do it. But I'm like, you don't understand. You can get to so many different people if you do these things that we have here that, by the way, all of the secular people are doing for their own podcast and getting, getting things to people that have no eternal consequence. Well, we have the most important message that has ever been heard. We should do everything that we can in order to maximize who that message gets in front of. God has given us so many tools in order to for us to use to get his message out. Remember, we're, we're commanded to, to, to go and, and take this message and to make disciples of all the nations. He's given us the tools to do so, and we should use them. And if we don't, it's just irresponsible. We need to be sure that we use the resources that God has given us in order to maximize our ability to do what God has called us to do. Listen, the way you know that you are praying in faith is by what you do by taking the matter of God and, and doing something with the action that follows through. You can't just pray that God would give you a job and you're not doing anything to look for a job or talk to people that will go and help you with that. If you're sitting in your living room waiting for your phone to ring or somebody to knock at your door like, hey, I got a job for you. You don't have to be looking for a job, do you? It typically doesn't happen. We got to do the legwork. I was laid off from my job several years ago, and it devastated me. It, it, it was because I'm like, I, this is something I have never experienced before. Why me? And I'm going through all these different types of emotions. And, you know, it, it wasn't until I was like, look, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on, but it wasn't until I fully submitted myself to the Lord and like, you're in control. You're the one who is going to, to lead me, guide me wherever I need to be for your glory and not mine. So I'm filling out applications. I'm going out and talking to people. And I start putting in the work and the action, knowing that the Lord was still in control. And I'm just just tell me what to do, how to do it. But I did receive a call. And it's like, hey, you're probably not looking. You're probably happy where you are, but we've got this job opportunity for you. And uh, it'd be nine years at that company now, but this is the way the Lord works because I was willing, I believe, and I've seen this happen with other folks that just to submit to him and be open and just do whatever he has called us to do and knowing that he is going to work his means through those things, but it takes and requires action. That's how we see our faith work itself out. Prayer prompts action for us. So here we see that the folks here, they're building 
the walls. They remember God's promises and they relied on his faithfulness and they knew that he would fight for them and they would he would fight even through them. They were ready and prepared. This is what I hope and pray for us. That we would understand who God is, understand his ways, understand his purposes, and understand his promises, and that we would lean on that, that we would seek him and, and follow him in, in any and every way. Understand that he's given us the tools that we need to accomplish the goals that he set for us. He's uniquely gifted us here at First Baptist Bolingbrook with particular uh, uh, things that we have in our experiences, the things that we've learned over the years, the things that we're especially good at, or sometimes there are things that we just, we can do, we're, we're just able to do. Maybe we don't enjoy it, but we're able to do for his glory and our good. This is what I hope and pray for us here at First Baptist Bolingbrook, that we be aligned with his mission. We use the tools that he's provided to accomplish his goals. And forget about the haters. That our response to even the haters that we have here today, whether individually or collectively, whatever it may be, that we take the, those things to the Lord and let him handle it. That we continue to be on mission for what God has called us to do. We have those blinders on. If you look at horse Horses, when they race, they put to the side view because they want to be looking straight ahead. You don't need to be distracted by what's going on here, there, or behind you. You have your focus on the kingdom of God, and you move forward towards it. Romans 8 and 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against Let's pray. Lord God, let's live our lives with faithfulness to know that this is true. If, if you be for us, who can be against? There's nothing anybody else can do. There's nothing the enemy can do to us that you can't handle, that you haven't already handled. Help us to be courageous knowing these things. Help us to be strengthened by your word, strengthened through prayer to go out and be about your business. Not for our own sake, but for the, the sake of the people that are around so they can see you work through us, that they might also be encouraged. They would be able to experience joy in this fallen world. Father, won't you use us Use us as a body of believers to be a beacon of light here in our own community so that we might love others despite of everything else that is going on in the world, but that we will be able to express the love that you have for us to others. Let's not lose sight of this. Help us to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Oh, thank you so much for entrusting us in this way loving us so much that you sent your one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have life that is everlasting. Thank you so much for being that to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.